thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right. Hey, everybody. Happy summertime. You feeling okay? All right. If you love Jesus, say, I do. If you believe that he is Lord, say, he is. Hey, let's all stand together. We're going to read out of Matthew chapter 20 today. We're in this series. We've been taking this summer to go after the parables of Jesus, and so we spent four weeks on the prodigal story, and of course, that was powerful, and uh, we took just a week to talk about different characters in that text, and um, I I really felt like that week that we talked about the soils uh, was powerful. It was powerful for me, and uh, loved last week because we talked about being disciples. Context, we talked about the mustard seed, and uh, I want to go after today this idea that comes out of Matthew chapter 20. And it's about laboring. It's about being workers. And so that's why we sang that song, um, or call it prophetic, or call it the Holy Spirit, about, uh, about I'll preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. I'll be a laborer. I'll be someone that works in the fields. And so that's hard for us to think, because we really like the idea of just kind of coming to Jesus, and then that's it. It's easy. But the truth is, is that we come to Jesus, and he's got a job for us to do. And so I'm going to go after that today. So let me pray, and uh, then we'll... Uh, Let's see. I'll, let's read the text first. I'm going to read the text. Can we do that together? Can you do that? Old school. Stay standing while we read it. Yes or no? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, no, no. All right, okay. Some people are like, no, that's too long. That's, no, I'm tired. All right. Okay, you're good? All right, old school. Here we go. All right, Matthew chapter 20. I'll read it, and then we'll pray. It says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So really, you could just say that this is about the landowner. It's about some other components. But when we're talking about the parable, I mean, Jesus is helping us understand what God is like. And about nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? (laughs) Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired And going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who hired first, they expected to receive more. So that's logical. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he asked one of them, but he answered to one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Here's the phrase. Or are you envious because I am generous. So 
The last will be first and the first will be last. Father, we love you today and we thank you for the great generosity of our God. We are forever grateful for eternal life. We are forever grateful for relationship with you. We're forever grateful, Lord, that you have transformed us and changed us. We, the thing that we celebrate more than anything is that we have you. You're our life. You're our joy. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to keep hearts of humility. We pray as we labor faithfully for years, Lord Jesus, that in our hearts would be gratitude. We honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's a story um, about some missionaries, an older couple who had served faithfully in Africa. And they had spent the bulk of their lives uh, faithfully as missionaries, taking the gospel to people that had never heard in Africa. And so they raised their children in Africa and they led prayer meetings and preached. And, and, and just by the nature of living in Africa, it was obviously a more difficult lifestyle than if they had lived uh, in the U.S. And they got to the end of their lives like they were in their old age and, and they got boarded a boat to go home. Older couple, loved the Lord. And as they got on the ship, they were surprised to see that President Teddy Roosevelt had been uh, on a hunting trip and was also on their ship returning back to the United States. And so during the, the whole trip, the, the story is, is that the, what started to grow inside the heart of the man is just a little bit of disappointment, a little bit of pain as he, as he just started to feel like I'm going back and I have no retirement. And, and, and the story is that he had no pension. He had nothing saved up and his health was deteriorating a little bit. And some of those realities just kind of started to hit really strong as he's on the, on the ship headed home. And when they arrived in New York, uh, they got off the ship and there was fanfare, of course, for a president. Great celebration, parades, excitement. And to his disappointment, there was nobody there to greet them. And so the story is, is that he went and they got rented this little flat in New York and they were about to head back to the Midwest. Nobody greeted them. And he said to his wife, I just feel like God has treated us unfairly. I just look at, it's not so much that I, I want what the president has. It's just that nobody was there to greet us. And she encouraged him to go spend some time with God, just like all of our wives do when we start talking that way. He came back with a different countenance. And he said, I told the Lord that I was so disappointed that there was no one there for our homecoming. But I felt like the Holy Spirit said back to me, son, you're not home yet. And, and, and flipped the whole narrative of how he saw his life. I like the story because I think that for you and for me, when we read this, I want you to put yourself in the parable. Where do you see yourself? I mean, I don't know what you think, but I think that contextually, Matthew chapter 19, there's the story of the rich young ruler and and it looks like he's the front of the line. It looks like he's the one that has everything going for him. Rich, young, ruler. About says it all. Wealthy, young, got his whole life in front of him. Top in terms of a ruler. And in the, in the metrics of the world, 
He's at the top. He's at the front of the line. At the end of Matthew 19, Jesus says this. He says, he says, many who are first will be last. And then we read this story about the laborers or the workers who are serving the landowner. And when Jesus tells that story, he actually ends it with the same phrase where he says, many who are first will be last and the last will be first. It's the same idea. So we can know that this is the idea that Jesus is wanting us to clearly understand in this parable. And I think if you and I were to put ourselves in the parable, it's easy for all of us to think, okay, which, which one am I? Like, am I the one? And it says early in the Jewish day would have started at 6 a.m. So the workday, 6 a.m., all the way then another group at 9 a.m., another one at noon, another one at 3. And then there's these at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, that's only one hour left in the day. And they get paid the same. And of course, what Jesus is talking about here is saying, all of them get eternal life. And the generosity of God is that even the ones who at 6 a.m. would have said, hey, I'm willing to go work for the day for that agreed upon denarius. That, that would have been the right amount. And so we agreed upon it. And, and in this time where with Roman occupation, taxation could have been 50 to 80%. And so to, to be a day worker and have your bills paid for meant that you came home and you were very grateful for the generous landowner that paid you because you could feed your children, you could do life. And if you were not selected, you were not chosen, then by nature of not working, you're not going to be paid. And so the, the, the landowner in his generosity allows you to work his vineyard. You're grateful for it. And that should be the posture Unless you start to shift your gaze towards the ones that got paid what you got paid. It's a very interesting parable because I think for you and me, like when I think about salvation, I think we start off and it's easy for us to start off and be so grateful. And we'll sing the song, I thank God, you know, and that's that story of salvation. But the truth is, is that when you do life together in a local church, for years and then decades, just like the 6 a.m. workers started to develop some envy in their heart. If you start to look around and compare, if you start to see what's happening with other people, and, 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 and it seems like I'm walking a holier life than they are. Seems like I'm tithing and they're not. Seems like I'm serving and God, and you can feel the shift. And just like the missionary who was the faithful laborer for the Great Commission, just like a good man had that, it wasn't that he naively thought, I want what the president gets. He's, it, it, it's different. It's, it's, it's not so much horizontal. It's when horizontal causes this relationship, this, the president gets this and, and they got this and, and probably I'm not getting what I deserve. And, and, and that kind of starts to boil over to where you finally take it upward and go, and God, why didn't you? And it's, it's the phrase that Jesus uses here where he starts to look at God and grumble. That's the phrase, grumble. Of course, you and I, we wouldn't think of ourselves as grumblers, would we? How do we get to that? How do we get, I mean, I think that for you and me, if we put ourselves in the parable, most of the time we're not thinking, okay, yeah, I'm the person that is going to have a specific envious heart towards a specific person. I mean, maybe we do it first, 
But as you, as you walk with God for years and you go to church for years and you kind of do church for a long time, it, it's less of that. And I think this temptation is where we often live, where we, we, we start to just get dissatisfied, not sure that God really is just. And God who says, I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy, we start to think in our own pride, I deserve more than you're giving me. I don't know that I can trust you. I don't know that you're good. In this parable, this parable, though, the layers of depth in our devotional lives is so real because to stay faithful as laborers. I was talking to someone this week who said, yes. I said, how is so-and-so doing? He said, he's doing well. He still loves God, but he doesn't go to church. He's in his 60s, still loves God, gave up on the body of Christ. Lots of complications, lots of unique variables. But my guess is, is that the body of Christ that he experienced is probably like the body of Christ that many that are in their 60s that are here or at other churches and still being faithful and still serving and loving and praying and tithing and going and giving and doing all the things. But when you're in a context, if you start to allow yourself start to look over and compare. It's not long before that little bit of envy starts to grow. That little bit of envy starts to be a grumbling towards God. And I just want to invite you to ask God what it would look like for you to live without that kind of envy in your heart. What, what would it look like? Because for us, we tend to look like at the way that the just the way that the world is. And just like the disciples, this whole context is about rewards, the rich young ruler. And, and this comes right at the, the rich young ruler. And, 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 and then Jesus engages with the rich young ruler. And then Peter says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And so what's in it for us? And then Jesus, Matthew 19, he goes, well, anybody who's left houses and families will receive a hundred times more. And he tells this parable then, and the whole thing is this wrestling with rewards and me and the joy in serving and what am I going to get and what, why do I do it and what's the reason why I serve and what's the reason why I, I'm faithful? What's the reason why I, why I labor for the kingdom? And I'm just saying it because I think that for you and for me, the laboring can get long. And I think it's easy for us, if we don't dig into a parable like this, to start to get this grumbling attitude. And when you read it, verse 11 says, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. I just want to think about what it looks like. Because in reality, they had worked harder. And in reality, if you look at, I mean, you can look at the people you know, you can look at church history, you could go back to the Bible, and there are people that, that labor differently. What Timothy did, I mean, Paul prays over young Timothy, says, hey, fan into flame the good gift, and talks about to him as a young man, and then Timothy lives out his life decade after decade after decade as a faithful laborer in the kingdom or worker in the kingdom, and that's quite a bit different journey than, say, the thief on the cross, <laughs> So everybody's, 
Everybody's journey is, is, is different. And if we get into kind of this comparison mode, this kind of mode where we look at other people, other people's journey in a local church context, you'll, if, if you have that in your heart, then in time, you start to become bitter in a community because your eyes are on other people and then your eye, you get accusation towards God and you start to grumble towards God. So this idea of envy growing in us is something that, that, that God hates. And this phrase, I think, I mean, I look at me and I know this idea of grumbling is so, is so easy for me. So easy for me to, to, to not necessarily say, I'm envious of so-and-so. I want what they have. I, and maybe that's just because as a disciple, I've, I know better than that. But, but the problem is, is that for me, it, 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 it tends to go up towards God. Why won't you do this for me? Why won't you provide? Why? You, you can put your story in right there. And it's easy for the laborer who's been faithful for years, kind of like the parable of the older brother in Luke 15. All these years I've slaved for you and you never once even gave me a goat for my friends so I could party with my friends. I've been working in the heat of the day. And, the, and, and Jesus comes after this idea. And, and Bible commentators talk about di this differently. Some say, okay, this is kind of like the Jewish people had this covenant with God way back in Genesis. I'll bless you to be a blessing. And now, as the, all of a sudden, the door's flinging open for the Gentiles. And so they're going, hey, wait a minute. Who's this Johnny come lately? What? And all of us, as we stay faithful to God for years, it's easy for that pride to grow on the inside. And then when we don't get what we think we deserved, we see it oftentimes, other people getting what we think we ought to get. And the crazy part about this parable is the anger came when other people got, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't even that they didn't get what they thought they deserved as much as like, I'm mad that they got what I got. It essentially, is, I want them to get less. And the way that that forms is you're not in love with the landowner. You're thinking about me and I'm focused on what I've done for the landowner and you're not going to give me what I want. I got pain. I got anger towards God. And I just want you to know that over and over and over again, we all know this, that pride is the thing that God hates and he loves the humble and that pride, it's so hidden and buried. And, 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 and yet it can become the motive that brings such separation. Um, I know as parents, we like to all use whatever we have to bless our kids. So, you know, if, you've, if you work downtown then, and you get, you know, tickets to a baseball game, then maybe you're the parent that takes your kids to a baseball game. If you're a um, you know, if, if you've got access to, you work at a restaurant, you give your kid the free food, you know, that you, we all like to bless our kids. And, and as a youth pastor, I, uh, for, I did that for 20 years. And one of the things that I w w did, it was, I often had ministry trips 
And so one of the things that I like to do for my kids is to take one of my kids with me when I would travel. And sometimes, every time there was higher cost to that, and somebody's ultimately got to pay for it, but Renata and I would try to figure it out because we, we just love the idea of that one-on-one discipleship time with, our, with me, with each one of the kids. And so I'd take them with me. And one of the things that started to happen then was that the kids would talk about what took place, where they got to go. And you can imagine when the kid who gets to go to South Dakota gets, starts to compare to the kid who went to L.A., and, and, and when the kid who got to be gone for three nights versus the kid who got to be gone for one night and the kid that got to go on an airplane versus the kid that had to drive to rural Iowa. And, and all of a sudden, if there developed inside of them this kind of like, oh, that's not good enough. I don't want Iowa. I wanted Florida. I didn't want one night. I want the two night. Dad, you're not fair. (laughs) Then the very heart that wanted to be generous toward my child starts to say, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on a second. And as we walk with Jesus and we sing songs, I'll preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. And we pray and we serve and we love and we make disciples and we give and we... I'm just telling you as a confession... There's a lot of ways this parable could go, but devotionally for me, here's what I saw. I saw this in me. I saw in me the moments of, come on, God, where, where are you? Why don't you give me what? And that, that grudge, that pain that becomes grumbling is, is something that it's rooted in pride and something that God hates. God is more generous than we deserve. Sometimes God is more generous than we desire when he's generous towards others that we don't think he should be. So I just want to invite you to just embrace this phrase and let the Holy Spirit say to you what we have Jesus when he tells the parable where he says this, he looks at them and he says, I'm not being unfair to you, friend, friend. If you could just embrace with me this week, when you have this tendency to say, well, it's not usually that you would say, I want that marriage. I wish I had a bank account like that. That ultimately what I have found in church life is it just all of it kind of builds up towards that grumbling towards God that. I was thinking about it in my own context. You know, like, God, and, and this is confession time. God, what? This, this, this church planting thing is really hard. God, <laughs> God, you get, those people prayed for a building and they got it faster and cheaper than we're getting it. Can I be that real? Then the Lord was like, that's rural Arkansas. It's easier to work with. I mean, you know, (laughs) that's a true story. And uh, But then I was thinking about, I think all of us would put ourselves in the parable and we all think we're the 6 a.m. worker, right? Like I do. But then I was thinking about, am I really a 6 a.m.? Like, I wonder if Paul thinks I'm a 6 a.m. worker. Like, does Paul think I'm a 6 a.m. church planter? So I just read Paul. 
I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Hmm. That's more for me like three times I got the cheaper latte, you know, like... Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. You get the idea. Constantly on the move. I wonder if like the church planters in Afghanistan think that I'm a 6 a.m. worker. Or those in North Korea. Or those in Pakistan. All of us tend to think of ourselves. I'm the faithful laborer not getting what I deserve. If you'll just ask God, all right, God, help me to see like you see. Open up my eyes so it's not about me and my labor. It's about you, and I'm grateful for everything that you've given. I'm grateful for eternal life. I'm grateful. And Paul said, uh, I'm a bondservant, so I'm a slave by choice. So God, when I decided to follow you, I didn't say, I'll follow you if I get, bam, this right investment, bam, this right house, bam, these kids do that this way, bam, all those things. I decided to follow Jesus because Jesus is worth my life. So I'm a bondservant. I'm a slave by choice. And I just want you to see the generosity because sometimes this parable can be tricky, but if you look at what Jesus has just said, literally just said, close out Matthew 19. And, and we know like chapter and verse came later. Like you can just read this straight through and listen to what Jesus has just said before he says, do you not understand my generosity? Are, are, are you envious because I'm so generous? He's just said, verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. He is the one who loves to give a hundred times. He is the rewarder. He is more generous than you can fathom. So when we're coming before him and saying, I just don't think you're giving me enough. He's going, you've we have eternal life. And it's tricky. I mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about eternal life. That's for all of us. And there are rewards in the kingdom. And the metrics of the world are not the metrics of our God. And so Jesus is wanting to help people see the problem's not his generosity. It's their immaturity. It's their temptation to constantly look at me like a child and say, I want this to be even. Cut it fair. He's the God that gives eternal life. It's not about evenness. It's about extravagance. He loves to bless. And that's hard for us. It's hard. So I want to invite you to just ask the Lord what it would look like for you. Because I was working on it in my own heart this week. And I was working on grumbling. And here's what I felt like. <laughs> I felt like I was saying this to the Lord. Um, God, I'm not grumbling. This is a psalm of lament. <laughs> like, as I'm writing this out, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach. Oh, okay, Matthew 20. I'm teaching this to the church this week. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just being real. I'm just being honest. David did that. Oh, God, where are you? 
except psalm of lament is birthed in humility. Grumbling's birthed in pride. Psalm of lament says, oh God, I need you. Where are you? Don't be so far from me. You're awesome. I need you. Oh God, I'm your child. Have you left me? <laughs> that. Grumbling is, you're not coming through. You, it's accusation. It's an affront towards God. And if you get down to it, it's, it starts, it's got pride and it's, it's actually even deeper. Play it all the way out and it's got hate. You're not who you said you are. You're not good to me. You're not faithful. I am angry at God. I think this is where laborers who've been faithful in the fields for decades tend to live. I think oftentimes we've not so much said, I want my neighbor's car. I want, it's, it's gotten down towards, did God give me what I deserve? And so I want to invite you to just ask yourself this question. Do you tolerate grumbling in your heart? They grumbled towards the landowner. Do you grumble towards God? Do you take moments that could be your great opportunity to thank God in the midst of the trial? To, to lean in and you never get those moments back when you go through suffering. Like when we, when we stand before him in eternity, when we step into heaven forever, we're going to say worthy, worthy, worthy. I mean, for, but this is the moment where with a voluntary love, we get to respond in the hardship with the heart of worship or thanks or praise when it's difficult. And so I was thinking about in the local church context, because this is an environment that's like, it's like a greenhouse of the blessing of God, of the mercies of God, of the generosity of God. And if you're a part of a local church, then you get to see more things happening. Hey, so-and-so just had a great miracle. God healed them. Hey, so-and-so just saw a financial breakthrough. Hey, then you start to see it. And if you have a heart filled with humility and raw gratitude towards God at work, then you're a celebrator. You're filled with joy. And if you've got envy and you have grumbling towards God in secret, those very stories that could create celebration and joy create distance and pain and accusation. And so the church becomes the miserable place because you got people that you hate, but ultimately you've got, you're angry at God. Why do you give them, but not me? Give me what I deserve. I'm just preaching myself. I don't know if you're here today, but this is what I need. I just want to give you a couple thoughts. How do, I, how do I grow in this? Thank God for his generosity toward you and ask him for more. He is a God that loves to give. He loves to give mercy. We see over and over again to the people that ask for his mercy or ask for his generosity, he loves to give. Blind Bartimaeus, all the, hey, will you heal my servant? God is a God that loves to give generously, pour out mercy, blessing, healing, ask. We go before him. We thank him. You are generous. You are merciful. You are good. And then in addition to that, thank God for his generosity towards others and ask him for blessing on them. Ask him for more generosity on them. 
you'll start to see it change inside of you. God, I thank you for the five o'clock worker. Eternal life, come on. God, I thank you for And so, and this is the challenge of the 6 a.m. workers. This is why it's easy to become the religious, grumpy, mean people. Because instead of staying close and soft and grateful, we've got grumbling and envy. Celebrate God's generosity towards you and celebrate God's generosity to other people. So every time, every time God's at work at Radiant Church, ba-bam, I celebrate. That's me posting it. Fa-pa-pa. Sing a song. Thank God. The worst response, back up. Cultivate envy. Grumble towards God. Why'd you heal her? Not me. Why is that guy six foot two? being real. God, why aren't you good to, you go down that route, you end up in pain. You go down that route, you end up in the very relationship that brings life and joy, starting to wither. God goes, no, humility. Humility is what I'm looking for. So remember this, God, you're God. I just love this phrase where he says, can I do with it what I want? (laughs) You're God. I'm not trying to push you in a box and use you as a means to accomplish my goals. I'm a humble servant. You're God. You're the creator. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So all is grace. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for every. You pick me at 6 a.m., I'm grateful. You pick me at 9 a.m., grateful. Pick me at 5 o'clock, I'm grateful. And, and this, this phrase, this, you're not fair, this will crush you. How do I live with gratitude? We always live as the people. If we want to talk about what's really fair, Favorite Pauline text, famous Pauline text that we know it so well. Here's what I deserve. For the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I deserve death. You gave me the free gift of eternal life. And whether, (laughs) whether my journey is the heat of the day and long, and I end up with the it, beaten by, by rods, or if I end up and it's comfortable, my loyalty to the Lamb remains constant, and I live grateful. I'm grateful. Thank you, God. Thank you for your work in me. Thank you for your work for others. I celebrate what you've done for them and I pray for them. If you live with that, thanksgiving, celebration, prayer, and just, this is what, what I really deserve is death. And so the posture of heart flips. I'm, a, I'm grateful. And if that's the posture that you have, 
that's the way that we live, then, then when you see that person and they get the raise that you wanted, R-A-I-S-E, the raise that you wanted. The, not like one of you want to marry one of the rays. Um, sorry. When they get what you thought you wanted, when, when you see these, that's, 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 that's your moment. That's your moment. That's your moment to go straight to God and not grumble. Let's stand. You take a moment, we just thank God for what he's given you. We thank him for salvation. We thank him for the hope of heaven. We thank him for the word of God. We thank him for the blessings in your life. Will you get real with him for just a moment? And just tell him, God, I repent. I don't want to grumble. You're enough for me. Now we just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal one thing for you to apply in your life this week. Just one thing. Jesus, we love you today. We want to be faithful laborers, servants. And we trust you. You are merciful and just. Your ways are higher than our ways. We cannot see like you see. Your kingdom is bigger than the ways of the planet. And we trust in our God. And we will follow the lamb wherever you lead us. Forgive us for these moments where we allow envy, pride to take root. Dig them up. Pull them out. Let us live with gratitude. If you're here today and you heard that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And you today want to begin a relationship with Jesus. The good news is Jesus has gone to the cross, died in your place for your sin, that you could have eternal life. If you want to begin that journey, I just want to invite you just to pray this prayer between you and the Lord. Jesus, I give you my life. I receive the gift of eternal life from you. Take my life. I don't want to go my way. I choose to follow you. Save me. Make me a new creature, a new person. Give me that new life, God. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen? Amen. Let's give Jesus a shout out today. Can we do that? Amen. Ben Ray, I loved it when you shared earlier. That was awesome. I'm so sorry about my cheesy Ray Ray's comment earlier. So, so, so silly. So silly. I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. <laughs> and uh, if 
you'd like prayer for any reason, we'd love to pray for you and invite our ushers to come forward as well. We're going to take up the offering. Middle of summer, anything goes in the middle of summer, right? I got to know on that. All right, Jesus, take what we give. We love you. Following you is the greatest way to live. You've saved us. You've redeemed us. You've changed us. We're on the journey as followers of Christ. Now, Lord Jesus, use what we have. We give it gladly. I ask, Lord, that you would use this to make a difference here in Kansas City, to make a difference, Lord God, among young people as we give to take the gospel to the world. And we sang that song about the nations. God, would you use this house to touch the nations? We pray that as a result of church in Kansas City, that there would be people around the world that would know Christ. God, we love you today. We give cheerfully and gladly. In Jesus' name, amen.